he really got me. You know, I think it's because he was gay. Got the nuances more. Get me a gay, Mickey. Gotta get a gay. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of In the Details, a celebration of nuance where each week I queen out on all of the acting choices, micro moments, and magic in the minutiae that make a scene great. My name is Colin Drucker. Your name is Louise Lasser. And today we are going to be talking about spooky synths and other soundtrack surprises. Can you stand the alliteration, Mary? Um, so, I, it has been a little while. Um, it has been most of the month of November. It has been a no-nuance November. So um, I apologize. Uh, I try to do this every single week. But, you know, these things happen. I feel like uh, I needed a couple weeks off to figure out what I wanted to do next. Um, I was like, do I want to do more scary things? Am I, am I doing too much scary stuff? And the people who aren't into that are like, all right, girl, like lighten up. Um, I don't know. Then it's like, what do you want to do? And I realized that I wanted to kind of stay in the realm of horror movies, but see what other nuances I could explore other than like, here's this 20 minute scene of a woman trying to escape this big masked killer with a power tool, you know? Um, so I have not had a no nuance November at all. I have had such an interesting month of, of content of things that I've discovered, um, that are definitely going to be worked into, the next few months of this podcast, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like it was a few months ago, maybe it was during the Val Cherishing Valerie series that I kind of did a preview of what the rest of 2018 was going to look like. And I think it's changing. I know I left December open because I had a couple ideas and I now know what I'm going to do. We're going to talk about that in a second. But I, uh, I figured I could just kind of give you a little update of what I think is going to come next. Um, before I get into that, Hello. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for showing up. I'm so happy you're here. I'm so happy you're listening. I hope you are uh, in a good place while you're listening. And if you are not, I hope this is putting you in a better place. And if all of that fails, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, can only go up from here, right? Uh, anyway, uh, things I wanted to talk to you guys about before we get into the main event. Oh, and when I said the title, maybe it made no sense. No sense. Sense. Sorry, now I have all these S words. I'm now just uh, I'm slithering all over the place. Spooky synths, what I'm talking about, what we're talking about today, we're talking about because, okay, I'm like, where do I want to begin? So I will go into this further later, but just to give you some, some where am I, what's going on, what time is it orientation here, we're going to be talking about some surprising movie soundtrack themes uh, that are mostly synth based because I love a bit of, you know, electronic music and I love what it can do. But it's in general just a couple different surprises that I found in my uh, casual viewing and researching over the past month or so, all really leading up to what I think might be my latest obsession. Uh, so we'll consider all of that a bit of an act one gun, if you will. But anyway, anyway, there's your teaser, there's your explanation. Uh, I feel so weird saying synths. I always read that word, but I never have a reason to say it out loud. And I'm not like a, I'm not a music person. And so like these things don't roll off the tongue. You know what I mean? I think, I think I should probably say that up front is that I'm going to be talking about music today, but I don't know how to talk about music. And so I'm going to talk about it kind of in the way that I understand it. And if I say something that isn't like, uh, 
technically correct. I don't know. Um, I'll leave a suggestion box by the door and you can you can drop an anonymous note. Uh, so before we get into all of that, before we get into all these things, apparently I don't know how to talk about, but I'm going to talk about anyway. Nevertheless, she will persist. She will wiggle. Um, I wanted to give you a fun update that I think some of you might be very excited about. Uh, you may remember, I just mentioned it before, that I did a three-part series on the comeback called Cherishing Valerie, and uh, which was a lot of fun. Uh, I've talked about it in the past couple episodes because I think it was... I, I just, whenever I think about it, I haven't really listened to it again, but whenever I think about it, I think, oh, what a, what a heavy feature. But, um, oh, one of my headphones just fell out. But nevertheless, I'm going to continue to persist. Um, but it was like so much fun. And I feel like I got such a deeper appreciation of Valerie. And I think people who really love Valerie Cherish and love the comeback do kind of see that all of that sort of tragedy under the comedy. And that's why it's so good, you know? So I got a lot of positive feedback on that, obviously, and thank you. That really means a lot. I, because I mean, uh, yeah, I put a lot of work into that. Not to like, you know, not to toot the trumpet or anything, but like, I put a lot of work into that. It took a lot of work. I think all told, that project was probably like sixty pages of notes that I took and like so many hours of editing. I, I, I love it. It's actually really fun to edit a podcast if you're like really into it, or if you're like a perfectionist and. Um, the content is just you. And so if somebody doesn't like it, it's like, oh, it's, it's all me. Um, so if you're like that, that will also drive you to just want to keep editing. So um, anyway, I'm rambling. The point is I got a lot of positive feedback on Cherishing Valerie, and I promised there would be more because I only covered really season one, and there was still the entire world of season two of the comeback that needs to be covered and cherished. And, uh, well, Merry Christmas, friends. December will feature the continuation of Cherishing Valerie. I'm, I'm so excited. I haven't even, like, full disclosure, I haven't even mapped it out yet, but um, I think I'm recording this the week before Thanksgiving, so I think in all my travels and all my time off, I'm going to spend some time really figuring out what that's going to look like. I am so excited. I... Uh, I hope you are too, and if not, well, it's just going to be a few episodes of a podcast, so, um, you know, it's nothing to get really disappointed about, but I, I can't wait. Season two of The Comeback is amazing. In some ways, I love it more than season one, which is hard to say because having just done Cherishing Valerie and having focused just on season one, my love for that, that era of her story is so much deeper because I just know it more, but I think, like, season two, I don't know. I, I could... I will try not to cry while recording that episode, but maybe I will, right? We all love a little bit of a little bit of pathos, right? There's nothing wrong with crying. I'm just I'm just alone here, right? Like if it's in a conversation, oh yeah. You know, get into it. I love I love talking through tears. Let me let me make it very clear. That will be an episode of in the details. It's like five scenes of talking through tears that I love. Or I, I try to keep the alliteration, so maybe it'll be ten scenes of talking through tears. Or two? Ugh, I don't know. Ten seems like a lot. Two's not enough. There's nothing in the middle. Eh. Anyway, I'll figure it out. Um, that I wanted to tell you about. So Cherishing Valerie is going to be coming probably somewhere within like mid-December. Because what else I've got going on is I have an upcoming, I have another, I'll have another guest coming in to talk about a favorite movie. Um, so I'm just going to tease that, that there's uh 
I will have a, another guest on. It will not be just me, you know, uh, in my room looking at my archives and figuring out what to talk about. So that's fun because I'd like to do more of that going into 2019 is uh, bringing folks on to really talk about like, what's your favorite nuance? What's your favorite movie? What's your favorite piece of music? What is it that does it for you? Like, let's go into those little details. So, um, I mean, I love doing this by myself, but sometimes it's just nice to, you know, bring on a guest, get another voice on here than just, you know, me and, and Brenda Vaccaro screaming. <laughs> Uh, okay, so what else do I want to tell you about? Oh, um, okay, so I told you about the guest. Oh, oh, the other thing I want to talk about. So, and this will come up a little bit in this episode, and it's come up in past episodes. I love, I, especially in a horror movie, but I guess it could be any genre, I love when an ending is just bonkers, you know, and just, and the movie just ends in the middle of it, like it ends in the middle of chaos. Um, that's going to come up later today. One of my favorite examples, which I've, I think I've talked about maybe on All Right, Mary, because it was one of our Matreon movies. So gather the details for my, however many crossovers there are who listen to in the details and our Patreons of All Right, Mary. But obviously Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We just talked about that a couple weeks ago. Love that movie. Love that ending. Uh, similarly, there's another movie. I think I talked about it in that episode, uh, Toby Hooper's follow-up, Eaten Alive, which Marilyn Burns is also in. Also, Bonkers ending. There's a few others. Uh, special thank you to Amber, who uh, is an amazing listener from All Right, Mary, and on this podcast, uh, who just, it's like, uh, immediately was like, here's two other, three other amazing examples you're forgetting. And it's like, yes, 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 there we go. I have a whole episode suddenly. Um, which it's just like, that's also slight tangent has just been continually it's the best part of all right mary and is the absolute best part of in the details as well is just getting to talk to you guys getting emails from you guys getting tweets from you guys getting your opinions on things like uh getting to kind of queen out about stuff like this whole podcast is just yeah, it's just me picking things off of my shelf and saying here's something i like i think someone put that as a review on itunes and i kind of that was so, it was like, oh my God, what a great way to, to, to describe this. It's like, I'm just holding up a bunch of things I, I like and saying, I care about this. Do you? And, uh, and so when someone writes me an email and says, yes, I do. And here's why. I'm like, oh, girl, we need to keep talking. So I just wanted to say thank you to like everyone who sent me emails, who's been tweeting me, uh, who's just been like, you know, watching the stuff I've been recommending and like giving me their take on it. Uh, it's just like, it's just been so cool. And folks that I've gotten to queen out with and recommend my, of course, new favorite podcast, Gay Lords of Darkness, to uh, Kelly in Portland. Like, it, it's just, it's like all these little fun connections that have been happening because of this podcast. And uh, I definitely had that experience with All Right Mary as well. But I guess being here on my own and doing something that's not, that's so specific, it's not about drag race, it's about all these other little nuances, if you will. And still finding connections and people out there who are like, yes, I'm into that too, uh, is so refreshing. It's so fun. Um, I don't know. Maybe this is something everybody knows about podcasts, but it's just that that weird way that this odd, you know, form of media brings us together. And I'm just really feeling it. And uh, I feel it when I'm a listener. Like, I feel like, oh, God, I really, you know, that thing of uh, I feel like I know these people. I feel like I such a connection with them. And I feel the same way doing the podcast. I feel like when you guys send me emails and you're like, 
queening out with me, it immediately feels like a sense of connection because these things are so, they're not like important to me in terms of like, these are the things I'd grab and run out of the house if there was a, you know, natural disaster. But uh, these are the things that I, I really like that are hard to find other people who are in, that are into, you know? Uh, anyway, I'm rambling again. I have more, th- we have so many things to talk about today. I think so. Um, one of the things I'm also going to cover coming up because I've gotten a lot of requests from you guys, uh, is the movie Sleepaway Camp, which is a, an early eighties, uh, summer camp slasher. And it is, we could totally talk about it on All Right Mary because it has so much to marry out about, but I could do it here as well because it's a, it's a wackadoo movie. The, it's most well-known for its ending, which uh, either you know exactly what I'm talking about or you're looking it up right now, which you should. I'm not going to spoil it in case you don't want to look it up. But when I do that episode, I will obviously spoil it. I'll have to because it's, it's bonkers. It's just the whole movie is just so strange. And the sequels are really campy and a little disturbing in in a different way. Anyway, it's a strange franchise. And I think... I don't know. I think I'm going to dive into it at some point. Uh, maybe it might be something that comes. I don't know when. I haven't figured out. These schedules are kind of loosey-goosey. I'm an Aquarius. I can't stick to a schedule that that rigidly freaks me out. Um, but something else I also really want to do an episode on, which is a recent surprise. This episode, of course, is all about soundtrack surprises. So this is somewhat on topic. Um, is I, I don't know how I found this. I don't remember how this came my way I think I was probably just looking up 70s TV movies probably from some there's another podcast called made for TV mayhem and it was a blog as well that was out and I think it's still out but I remember it at the same era that I was reading final girl which of course is the podcast as the the podcast is the blog that was written by Stacey Ponder who's one of the co-hosts of Gaylords of Darkness which you may know at this point is up there with Beatrice Strait in network as my new favorite thing um and so I remember this uh, blog as well, Made for TV Mayhem. So I think I've just kind of was starting to go down the, the TV movie uh, rabbit hole. And I think, you know, considering what I could make an episode about, who I'd like to queen out about, you know, people like Cloris Leachman or Valerie Harper and many other women. But like those two are really top of the list. Uh, so, for example, I don't know if I've mentioned Dying Room Only yet, which is a uh, early 1970s TV movie with... Cloris Leachman and Dabney Coleman. I think I have talked about this. It's so good. Oh, oh, she's so good. Okay, well, so we're going to talk about that. And then, of course, there's Valerie Harper, who I could do a whole podcast. I mean, talk about cherishing Valerie, all right? Like, I could do a whole podcast on Valerie Harper, who, of course, played Rhoda on Mary Tyler Moore and Rhoda and was amazing in the 1985 TV movie, don't Go to Sleep, which I watched recently, also starring Dennis Weaver, who is also uh, amazing. I don't think I've ever really appreciated Dennis Weaver. Uh, he was in, I feel like to me, he was. I most know him from the movie Duel, which Steven Spielberg directed. It's the you know guy getting chased by a uh, you know, monstrous 18-wheeler in the middle of the desert, uh, which I haven't seen because there's no women in it. So, But there is, but there is kind of a... a woman version of it called Night Drive, starring Valerie Harper, uh-huh, from 1977, which I'd like to talk about at some point, because I saw it a while ago, and my memory of it is just like Valerie Harper in a trench coat, dismayed, running, driving, screaming, wielding, I think, a rifle at one point, just being amazing. 
she's ugh, I I can't I can't because I'm just I'll just I'll just get lost and talk about how much I like Valerie Harper. But anyway, this movie Don't Go to Sleep also stars Ruth Gordon. Ruth Gordon, who I just I could watch her do anything. She's really I think in some ways she is a patron saint of this podcast because she's she's just this older nuanced character actress like who won a best supporting actress oscar like what more do you need so anyway um i do want to do an episode about that or in particular um there's this scene there's this uh, argument between dennis weaver and valerie harper play a married couple and shit goes down in this movie i i think you should check it out i think you should watch it it's on youtube it's very easy to find just go, just search don't go to sleep full movie you'll find it right away there is a, a scene about an hour in where they have this intense fight, and it is, oh my God, I have to do an episode on it. It is so good. It's like not even TV movie, like, oh, well, TV movie, good. It's like, this is really good acting. Like, this is crazy good. And there's like this swelling music score behind it, and which is kind of on topic because we're talking about, you know, movie scores today. Uh, that is probably unnecessary, but because it's a TV movie from 1985, I welcome it because it's all part of the it's all part of the world of that. That's I want that. You know what I mean? I want that level of drama, but it doesn't need it. Like it, it's so raw. I think in a way, if the music was wasn't there, that argument would be uncomfortable to watch. Like I love that. Oh, I mean, I, that's another episode. It's just like fights in movies like arguments between couples or people in movies that are like uncomfortably realistic i oh i could watch those all day granted a woman has to be either one or both of the participants in the argument because i just i just need a woman in the room to me to keep it interesting that's just how i'm wired but maybe there's some interesting scenes with men i don't know um but uh yeah that movie don't go to sleep is wackadoo and I'll just say two words, pizza cutter, and uh, yeah, I feel like that's the thing that if you saw this as a kid, that's like what you remember is the pizza cutter scene. Um, anyway, anyway, we're going to have a whole episode about it. It's great. And I think, is that everything? Oh, oh, the other thing I just want to say about Don't Go to Sleep, and then I'll stop, is, and this is relevant because I did an episode on Hereditary, there is such a clear connection between hereditary and don't go to sleep there is such a i don't know there's just such a similarity there there's so many things that happen that just feel like similar notes and i mean on that note valerie harper and tony collette like doing intense drama work you know in the realm of a horror movie and, and both just being great i i think i rewatched because hereditary is now out on um streaming and you know all those all those ways to watch movies now and i think the clip was on youtube of tony collette having uh, the that meltdown at the dinner table which when i did my episode of hereditary i could only find this terrible bootleg version of but i really wanted to include it in the episode so i could talk about it so i've always kind of felt like oh god like that was such a crappy quality but i couldn't do any better so just to kind of make up for it here Yes, no, here, and I'll play it again in the Don't Go to Sleep episode. Here is a clear version of Tony Collette having that meltdown in Hereditary. Don't you swear at me, you little shit! Don't you ever raise your voice at me! I am your mother! Do you understand? All I do is worry and slave and defend you, and all I get back is that fucking face on your face! 
So full of disdain and resentment and always so annoyed. Well, now your sister is dead. And I know you miss her. And I know it was an accident. And I know you're in pain. And I wish I could take that away for you. I wish I could shield you from the knowledge that you did what you did. But your sister is dead. She is gone forever. And what a waste. If it could have maybe brought us together or something. If you could have just said, I'm sorry, or faced up to what happened, maybe then we could do something with this. But you can't take responsibility for anything. So now I can't accept. And I can't forgive. Because... Because nobody admits anything they've done! <sighs> okay, so... Now that I have talked about all these other things that have nothing to do with the main event of this episode, and we're like 20 minutes in, um, the uh, I feel like there's one other thing I want to say. No, I don't think so. Oh, that. I want to say this. Originally, you know, this episode took me a little while to, to put out, but originally I was going to do an episode just queening out on Suspiria, the new Suspiria, which uh, we're going to do a... a patreon episode four on all right mary so i'll save all my thoughts then actually i think we're recording it later today so i'll save all my thoughts um but uh spoiler alert amazing just like the i mean the, the original one is is its own beast but the new one is just fucking amazing i just uh I, I couldn't say enough good things about it but i will on this patreon episode so i was originally gonna do an episode about suspiria and then i was like well okay to be honest, and even, I'm even thinking of this, you know, for the Patreon episode, I probably need to see that movie a few more times before I really know what to say about it. Like, it's so nuanced. It's so layered. But then it got me thinking about the original, and what I love the most about the original is the soundtrack by Goblin, which was kind of like the thing that made me think, okay, like, you can't remake this movie because um, that soundtrack alone, like, you're not going to be able to improve upon it. So, um you're going to have to do something vastly different. And that's going to be really hard because that will still be somehow less, you know? Um, I do want to say, while I'm talking about the Suspiria soundtrack, that uh, just this morning I got an email from listener Amber who gave me the heads up that Goblin will be in New York uh, next weekend uh, performing the soundtrack live during a screening of the original Suspiria. And I just bought a ticket and will now be seeing it live. This is the, the, the me from like, I don't know, high school is gooped and gagged that I'm seeing Goblin live. I'm so excited. And the theater is like 10 minutes away from me. It's stupid how close it is. So Amber, I can't thank you enough. I'll talk to you. I'll tell you guys all about it. It's going to be so cool. So then I was going to do a whole episode about Suspiria and about the original Suspiria soundtrack. And then I found all these amazing covers of the theme. And I thought, oh, I could totally cover, you know, I could cover all these covers. I could talk about all those. And then I just kept finding, I just like went into a rabbit hole. And in the meantime, I saw this movie just recently. We will talk about it. Um, that had, that just took me in a new direction. And I was like, I need to talk about this. And I need to talk about its soundtrack. And I thought, what, is, what, a, what a surprise. The soundtrack was such a surprise. And I thought, oh, you know, I kind of love when that happens. I love when the soundtrack surprises me. And uh, I, it, that kind of took me down this path because I have definitely 
kind of already covered this in past episodes. And uh, I would say, for example, I mean, let's just get into it. Let's let's use this as the segue to get into the details, the celebration of nuance, the name of this podcast, uh, of some spooky synths and other soundtrack surprises. Now, as I said, we have covered this topic before. We have, we have celebrated the nuance of spooky synth music just recently in October during the Let's Scare Jessica to Death episode, which you are hearing some of the music of right now. is the incomparable Zora Lampert. It's always nice to revisit her. Ugh. Just so good. I just, I, I, it's just worth playing that again. That's just so cool. And so this is not necessarily new territory, and it's really uh, the, a nuance about movies that I've always loved. It's always been something that's drawn me into a movie that's gotten my attention. You know, I, I've talked about best supporting actresses and chase scenes and fight scenes, but also great soundtracks. And when I was younger, when I was kind of trying to find music that spoke to me and music that, that kind of hit the nerves I wanted to hit, I, I found that the nerves I wanted to hit were I wanted things that were dramatic. I wanted things that were impactful. I wanted to feel, I was, I was looking for a lot of catharsis from music and I, I couldn't find it. Like I, it was, I remember just back then, and this was, I don't know, when was this in the world? This was probably the early 2000s. So, I mean, I don't know. I feel like the internet to find music now is so much easier, you know? And it's weird to say that about something that's within not a significant period of time, but I just didn't also know how to find new music. And uh, that's a whole other episode of the music that I, I did, you know, end up stumbling onto. But one of the, uh, sources of music that kind of like was hitting the nerves I wanted was horror movie soundtracks. And, you know, Suspiria was was top of the list. And I think I've always kind of been looking for music that sounds cinematic and um, has kind of the same the same sense of like, oh, this doesn't have to necessarily be a soundtrack. It would just sound good in a movie, which I think that Goblin kind of does. So, uh, yeah, so kind of doing this little, I don't know, this little roundup of, of surprising soundtracks, it was fun to go back because I still love this music. And I mean, especially like in the fall, like listening, like as you're listening to this, I hope that you're commuting somewhere, I hope you're walking around or driving somewhere because I feel like life just feels a little different when this is the music that's scoring it. And I remember when I was younger, like even just like going for a walk or just doing something really normal, but listening to this very cinematic music and it just made life more interesting. And like as a writer, it totally inspired me and it it like put me in the mindset to think about as if like everything was a movie and what would the plot be? Like what would this scene be if I was 
driving and this was the music that was playing what would be going on in this movie and it just kind of uh was like it's kind of makes me think of like the artist's way and doing like an artist date or one of those experiments where you know you just kind of see what comes up and i think this kind of music always uh it always stirred up a lot you know i love philip glass for that for example that i think his music just evokes so much emotion and one of the things I think I like about him the most is that sense of repetition and the building on like it, there's that that feeling that he starts with one idea and then there's just like this layering onto it and it's like it's made more complex. I've even like I've really always appreciated like you know dance music and techno music because you know I love I love a beat drop because I just I love the build up. I love the kind of I don't know I don't want to say manufactured emotions because I don't think it's fake. I think there's just that like thing that it does. There's just that that sense of buildup and that sense of rhythm and that sense of repetition and I, that I think dance music and trance music and you know techno does and that Philip Glass does and then when you hear techno remixes of Philip Glass music, you're like, oh, what planet am I on? I love it. I love. <laughs> I just. I love that kind of stuff. Um, and so it's cool to hear to see that like there's kind of a dovetailing of like using electro like electronic music synth music in in movies for horror movie soundtracks and i think you know like a recent example would be it follows i know like that's it is a great soundtrack and i wouldn't consider it a soundtrack surprise because i think we all kind of know about it but because of this movie i saw recently and the synthy soundtrack surprise that it presented i was like oh i want to find more examples of this or just soundtracks in general on uh, movies that you wouldn't expect like to be so good you know like i think that's i don't know like i think that's what i was most surprised by about this movie that we will talk about towards the end of this episode is that this movie was terrible but the music was so good and i think if this is some kind of pageant you know, if your if your if your question and answer is you know not so good, but your talent is great, or your evening gown is just like, you know, I'm just throwing money at it because it's so good. Well, then you know your overall score goes up, right? Uh, anyway, we also talked about this. Uh, we had another example of this recently when I talked about uh, Four Forgotten Final Girls, and we talked about the movie Final Exam uh, with what was her name? Oh God, what was her name? Uh, I can't remember her actual name. Courtney with Courtney, who, uh, Courtney's claim to fame was that she like stabbed the killer a gazillion times in the end, which I saw something recently follow up on that story. If you, if you listen to that episode, if not, you totally should, is that apparently she had stabbed him like way more times and they had to cut it down because I guess the censors were like, this is putting it over the edge. So, uh, I, the reason for that is that the writer, director, whatever, they didn't want to have some schlocky jump ending where it's like, surprise, the killer is still alive. They wanted to make sure we knew he was dead. And so that's why she just stabbed him so many times. But the final count that we say see is like 12, I think. But maybe it was more like 18 in the original. So anyway, that's a tangent. When I talked about final exam, one of the things I mentioned was the music, which I thought was like surprisingly effective. And uh, it is, uh, it's by Gary Scott. This is his first credited soundtrack, who I was looking at his IMDb. He went on to do like so many other projects, not necessarily a lot of movies, but uh, he did do some yoga workout videos. He did 68 episodes of Beverly Hills 90210. He apparently did the music for what seems to be a 
short-lived quiz game show called Mall Masters that was set in uh, the Mall of America and I think was hosted by the guy who hosts The Bachelor. This was 2001. It was a different era. Anyway, just to refresh your memory, this is the main theme from Final Exam. And like, I, I'm living, girl. I'm living. That's all I have to say about that. It does that thing that I like. It does that thing where it's just repeating over and over and then it builds on. Like that's, I think that's pretty much my aesthetic. If there's a song that just repeats a theme over and over and layers things onto it, whatever you call that, that's what I like. Um, it's kind of like a, a lasagna song. You know what I mean? On All Right Mary, we talk about pizza queens. I like a lasagna song. Um, okay, so the uh, another another fun soundtrack surprise that I found uh, this is, I saw this movie probably a million years ago, so I basically haven't seen it because I don't remember, but there is this movie from 1983 called House on Sorority Row, and there's so many of these, like, sorority slasher movies. There's Sorority House Massacre, there's The Dorm That Tripped Blood, which I guess is technically a dorm and not a sorority. Um, there's this one, there's The Initiation, which I think has a sorority involved, uh, and other assorted ones. Isn't there, what is it, like sorority babes and the slime ball arama or something like that anyway the soundtrack is by his name's richard band and his brother charles band is a director uh, who's most well known for there's this production company called full moon pictures and they make so much schlocky horror it's it's not really much that i'm into but uh richard band he has had an extensive career he did a lot of scores for full moon movies but he also, uh, he did the score for Reanimator, for From Beyond. Anyway, what I like about this is that it is just so, uh, I, it makes me think that like, okay, yes, this is just like a slasher movie, but we are going to put on our Sunday best. We're going to do our hair upright. We're going to put on a bit of a lip, a bit of a heel, and we're going to go out there and we're going to look really fucking fancy. And I think that's what this sound, that's what this theme does to this movie is it just makes what could be a traditional 80s slasher, you know, uh, the bell and the ball, you know? Okay, so this next one, I've actually never seen this movie, but I do remember, again, I distinctly remember seeing this video box in the horror movie aisle at Blockbuster when I was a kid. And I don't know why I never rented it, because it seems like something I would be into. It's called The Deadly Intruder. It's from 1985. I think it's about some 
mental patient escaped from the you know institution and then he's hiding out in some small town and i think he's you know they've got to catch him before he kills again and there's some woman who he's i guess closing in on in any event i have never seen this i have not even seen a trailer of it i couldn't even find a trailer but I was just kind of looking for in my research, kind of trying to find some other hidden gems, and I saw the you know the YouTube thumbnail for this, and it had the cover from the video store, and I was like, oh my god, that movie! I wonder what that movie sounded like. And I don't know, you guys, like I might not even need to see this movie. This might be the highlight. Uh, the The soundtrack is actually composed by the director John McCauley, who has also directed, wrote, and scored the movie Rattlers from 1976. And I believe that's it. So this is not the beginning of a long career, but like, this is like, I feel like this is something that kids would wear today. You know what I'm saying? Another one that popped up while I was doing my research that I have seen, but it has been a while, and I kind of have fond memories of. Like, I, I remember it being genuinely creepy um, when I was a kid. Like, it just kind of always stuck out to me, I think, for a couple of key scenes. But is the 1980 slasher, He Knows You're Alone, uh, which is a, a total Halloween ripoff, and so is the soundtrack. Uh, it, which is uh, composed by Alexander and Mark Peskinov, and I believe this is a um, also brief music career for the two of them. Um, anyway, He Knows You're Alone is a total ripoff. The theme song is a total ripoff. The movie is a total ripoff of Halloween. Um, its largest claim to fame is that it's like Tom Hanks' first movie. He plays the main character's sister's boyfriend, uh, who I think he's— I think if I remember, he's, like, obsessed with horror movies, and it's very, like, pre-Scream. Uh, he doesn't die. He's a good character. He's a nice guy. I think he's in, like, one scene. Uh, it's pretty good. Yeah. It's, and it's a good movie. There's a creepy chase scene at the end that leads to a, a morgue. Uh, and this music, I mean, this music is, like, yes, it's a ripoff, but, like, who doesn't want more of a good thing, Right.
And that reminds me, while we're talking about Halloween-adjacent music, um, I, as I was, you know, maybe not as I was doing my research, but just in my listenings, uh, things I've been listening to lately, I remembered a nuance from the recent Halloween sequel, which you may remember I did not particularly love, uh, but a nuance that I actually did love. Um, because the soundtrack, you know, it, it pretty much brings back the original Halloween uh, score by John Carpenter and then kind of adds in some new stuff, uh, which is composed by his son, Cody Carp- Carpenter, and then this other guy, Daniel Davies. And there's there's like a new thing. I think Cody Carpenter composed this. There's a new piece of music from in the sequel that I kind of love and I've been listening to repeatedly. And I guess I'm just trying to be fair and also point out a soundtrack surprise in a movie that um, I otherwise was not a big fan of. But it's just kind of worth giving some credit to this little piece of music uh, and and what it's doing. I think it's I think there's some interesting layers here. Again, it's the typical thing that I love is just like taking a, a, a theme and then just building on it and like adding nuances, you know. I suppose for the inevitable sequel uh, to this to Halloween 2 or Halloween H40 or whatever it is, I hope they include more of this and more of Lori or more of something, just more of the things that I like. I hope they got my memo. Anyway, uh, moving on. This is a just a little detour. I want to talk about a little detour. Oh my God, what a terrible pun! This is a little detour to a movie called *Taurus Trap*. Oh God, I need to be canceled. Whatever that means, somebody cancel me. Um, so anyway, *Taurus Trap* is from 1979, and um, I know I haven't really been giving you the plots on these movies. Either I don't know them or it's not really about the plots of the movies. Like you can just assume these are all kind of, if you haven't heard of them, there's probably a reason. And maybe these are reasons to go look up these movies. Um, But Taurus Trap is another wackadoo slasher. Uh, This is, oh, this one, it's, yeah, it's like this group of teenagers or young people, whatever age they are in 1979, where they're supposed to be, but they stop at this tourist trap uh, that has this creepy guy, and he's got all these mannequins, and the mannequins, you know, uh, I guess he kills people and turns them into mannequins. I can't remember, but I am going to talk about it because this movie 
is going to be one of, I think, one of the bonkers ending movies that we're going to talk about in that episode. So we'll figure out the plot then. Uh, I won't talk, I won't say anything more about it. I will just say the ending is just, I love it. It's so bonkers. Um, and what's appropriate, so the score is by, I hope he, I'm pronouncing his name correctly, is Pino Donaggio. Is that is that how it is? Um, help me out, America, or Italy, as the case may be. Anyway, he has an extensive career. He did a lot of uh, scores for Brian De Palma movies. He did the score for Carrie. And that is, uh, it, I guess Pino Donaggio just has a, either he has, you know, a, a certain aesthetic or whatever, or he just had similar themes and he was just distributing them to horror movies in the 70s. But the what I particularly love, there's two elements of Taurus Trap that I love. And... Uh, the second one is the one that reminds me of Carrie. The first one is this little, is this little thing that kind of I think it's that's sort of teased throughout the movie. This um, kind of lullaby that's happening that I, is kind of meant to infer that these are like the mannequins singing, and I love this. <laughs> And then there's the bonkers ending and the bonkers ending music. And it's used the same way here, more or less, that it's used in Carrie. And uh, it's just a bit shorter. It's a lot shorter in Taurus Trap. So uh, this is the Taurus Trap version. And again, I'm, I'm, I guess spoiler alert. Okay, spoiler alert on Taurus Trap because I'm going to spoil it anyway, right? So I don't know what to tell you. It's, I don't think it really ruins the movie. Um, I don't even know if the rest of the movie is that good. I just know the ending is great. So at the end of the movie, the final girl is just, she like, the the killer, either she kills the killer, I think she kills the killer, and then she just starts screaming. And then the next shot, we see her driving away in the in this like Jeep that all her friends had, driving away it, with, with no roof, so you can see everything, driving away with all of her friends as mannequins in the passenger and back seats. And the movie freeze frames on this like crazy look on her face. And it's like with this music. And uh, I think we talked about Carrie as a Patreon episode for All Right, Mary as well, so I haven't talked about it here. But the ending of Carrie is also a bonkers movie ending. So I will obviously talk about that again, but I can't go a step further without playing the ending of Carrie. And just so you can hear the similarity, um, and I'm going to keep in all of the, it's going to be the actual sounds from the movie so that you can hear the uh, chaos of Amy Irving just as Sue just losing her mind and Priscilla Pointer as her mother just saying I'm here it's okay you're okay I, oh the chaos and how it just goes on and on I oh I love this ending anyway here you go <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
all of that leads us to my latest obsession. I can't stop thinking about it. So I think what made it stick was uh, there's a, I don't know if you know the movie theater chain Alamo Draft House, but it's one of those, it's the bougie theater that has the food and, and it's, I really like it. I, you know, for example, the, the, the carpet in the, in the hallways to the theaters and in the lobby is like the carpet from the shining, you know, and they've, they, they're very, there's a, there's an edge of nerd. I think they have like their own aesthetic. That's very, I don't know. I like it. I'm into it. I'm buying it. You know, the food's good and they do like different events, like different, they feature different movies, you know, other than just kind of the main, you know, stuff that's now playing. And so I think they were doing kind of like, uh, horror movies every week i can't remember what it was called but i know there was another one of like just showing like really strange movies maybe there was terror tuesday and wacky wednesdays maybe that's what it was but anyway one of the upcoming movies or one of the ones that had happened recently that i think i missed was this slasher from 1987 called blood rage and I've actually, I have definitely seen Blood Rage before years ago. This was definitely something I rented in high school or in college. At whatever point, um, I was renting tons of horror movies. So maybe even like early high school. Um, and so I had vague memories of, of this slasher movie set in Florida. I remember the final girl running around carrying a baby. And that was pretty much my only memory. I remembered something happening in a pool. And so the fact that Alamo Drafthouse was going to kind of like feature it as like, they're like, yeah, let's you let's, let's pluck this for our wacky Wednesday or creepy Tuesday or whatever it was called. Um, I thought, oh, well maybe there's a reason for that. And so of course it's uh, easily available. It's on Amazon prime. It's on YouTube. It's, it's totally accessible. And I thought, well, let me just give it a gander. And I hit play and I got to tell you, I was, I was, can I say gooped again? I've said it a few times this episode, but it's just, there's no other word. I was gooped by this soundtrack. And I just, like, it, I, we're gonna, we have to talk about this movie, but I, I in another episode, because I can't, I, I can't squeeze it all into a few minutes, but I just need you to, I need to set this up for you. So the movie opens... Um, at a movie theater, like a drive through movie theater. And uh, it's kind of following, you know, like just kind of it's showing us the different scenes of setting the, the, the scene for what's going to happen, which is going to be, of course, somebody getting killed. It is, I, I, all I want is for every movie to feel like the first like four or five minutes of Blood Rage, because it, it sounds like this.
a scene where a guy buys a condom in a bathroom from a very young Ted Raimi, who is a um, sort of a genre cult star in a way. Uh, so that's that's kind of a fun moment. And then, uh, then the movie, then the music kicks in again like this. <laughs> I mean, like listening to this, I was like, I'm not sure. I feel like I've heard this. I feel like there's so much music that wants to sound like this now, you know, that's trying to sound like this now that I'm listening to and I'm loving it. I'm like, this is what it actually was, you know, genuinely. And so the score is by um, Richard Einhorn, who he's done. He's done a whole bunch of stuff. He did a whole bunch of horror movies Early on, he did The Prowler, Shockwaves, Don't Go in the House, Dead of Winter. Um, Shockwaves, he did in 1977, and it's kind of considered one of the first uses of, like, synth music as, like, a, as a movie score. I think whoever wrote that may be forgetting Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Uh, might be forgetting uh, that Walter Sear, because uh, there's there's kind of the main, more folksy music from Let's Scare Jessica to Death, and then the more electro electronic stuff is by Walter Sear. And Walter Sear was uh, Robert Moog's partner. And Robert Moog basically invented synth music because he invented the, like, Moog synthesizer. And so um, Let's Scare Jessica to Death is a real, you know, pioneer moment in a lot of ways. Um, but anyway, there has to be a whole other episode about this movie because, I mean, first of all, we just need to talk about Louise Lasser, who you may remember as your name this episode. She plays uh, the mother of the killer and is... She is in her own movie. She's insane. And watching it, I have to tell you what I love the most, especially about the beginning of this movie, is like the shot. Uh, it's like a shot of the popcorn that someone is digging in to fill a popcorn bucket at the movie theater with uh, Louise Lasser in, in like big red letters over it as like the synth music starts. It's it's like cinema perfection. It's it's That's gay culture, as the kids say. Like it's... Such a great moment. Louise Lasser, as I was doing just like a little bit of research on her, she was in this show. Friends, I did not know about this show. I'd heard of it. I'd heard of Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. But I I think I just wrote it off. I think I just assumed it was probably something I wasn't going to be interested in. I just filed it under that, like something that maybe didn't have an appeal anymore. And then I did like a, the slightest bit of digging, and I was like, oh, this is like a thing. So I'm putting out the bat signal. I'm putting out the Louise Lasser signal. Can we talk about Mary Hartman? Mary Hartman? Mary. Holy crap. Um, so, I, you know, these things should not be forgotten. You know, even, ugh. Anyway, I don't want to get onto that tangent. I just, what a great surprise. How good is that score, right? Like, I mean, I'm just going to assume you agree with me. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, that is... 
those are some spooky synths and other soundtrack surprises that I have found in my research. And um, there are more. I need also to let you know that this is like a curated list. I'm looking at my notebook right now, and there's like 10 other soundtracks that I want to talk about. And so uh, I'm probably going to do maybe some more of these episodes where uh, we feature some soundtracks because, once again, I'm just kind of like recreating and rediscovering and reexamining the archives of my youth and putting them into a podcast called In the Details, which is a celebration of nuance. Um, anyway, <laughs> I think, is that everything? I think that I think I've covered everything. I think that's it. Um, the only thing left being, I want to hear from you. I want to know what your thoughts are. What are your soundtrack surprises? Uh, what do you recommend? What what knocked your socks off that you didn't expect? Uh, you know how you could do that. You can just drop me an email at inthedetailspod at gmail.com. Uh, you can reach out to me on Twitter at Colin Drucker. Um, and you can also leave me a, oh, fingers crossed, five-star review and rating on iTunes. Thank you to everyone else who has. I say it before, I'll say it again. It really does like mean so much because there's just so many podcasts that like people are basically deciding if they're going to listen to it based on like what other people say. So you're the judge, you're the jury. Well, you're mostly the jury in this case. Maybe you're the judge. I don't know. Don't judge me. Anyway, uh, I think that is all next week. I don't know what it's going to be. We might talk about Don't Go to Sleep. We might talk about Blood Rage. Uh, it's it's a world of possibilities. I'm probably maybe talk about Suspiria. I'll definitely talk about seeing Goblin live, and uh, you know any other requests you guys have. Anyway, as usual, thank you so much for listening uh, for another celebration of all of the music choices, micro moments, and magic in the movie music on in the details. Talk to you next week. Bye. <laughs>